1: Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A little boy was looking through his illustrated Bible one day and noticed a picture of Jesus praying. What is Jesus doing? The boy asked his mother. He is praying to God, his mother replied. But Jesus is God, the little boy remarked. What an incredible insight for a small child. Now if prayer was such a vital part of the earthly life of Jesus, how much more is it important to us? The disciples observed that Jesus was often praying. They noticed too the effect that it had upon his life and ministry on earth. Finally, they plucked up the courage to ask Jesus to help them in their prayer lives. Lord, teach us to pray, they said. The result of that request is that Jesus gave them a pattern for prayer. We often call this the Lord's Prayer, but actually it's a prayer he gave to us. It is our prayer. He never intended that we pray that prayer religiously or repetitiously, but that it be used as a model for prayer. Today, many Christians throughout the world use this prayer as a basis for their daily prayers.
0: This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Welcome to the program, Phil here, and this week we're looking at basics for new Christians. Yesterday, we looked at the place of the Bible in the Christian's life. And I guess it's only natural that we follow that with prayer. After all, the Christian life is all about a relationship with God, and through the Bible, God speaks to us. But through prayer, we speak to him. Now, Ken, you mentioned that many Christians use the Lord's Prayer, or as you put it, our prayer, as a way to structure their prayers each day because it contains some wonderful elements, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus actually said when he taught this prayer, he said,
1: after this manner pray. He didn't say, say this. We often do that, but it's a great
0: great prayer to pray, though,
1: isn't it? No problem, yeah. But, um, you know, he, he meant it, obviously, as an outline, as you say, a structure for our prayers. Now, when you look at that prayer, there are six main parts to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, and they can be divided up under these headings. God's name, God's reign, and God's will. Then, the second half, our needs, our sins and our enemy. Mm. So the first thing that tells me anyway about prayer is that it's first of all about God. Yes. It focuses upon him and all prayer should first be centered upon God. So let's look first of all those three first division. The first one was God's name. Jesus said, when you pray, say our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the first thing we do when we come into the presence of God is to worship him. His name is to be hallowed. That means to be glorified and esteemed higher than any other name. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name or your name, we are saying, Lord, may your name be treated as holy. May you be
0: held in reverence, honor and dignity for you are worthy. We're also kind of reinforcing our relationship with God and recognizing that you're God and I'm not. (laughs) But you're our Father. That's right. Which is incredible. So, yeah, so getting back to that
1: first uh, heading, if you like, um, we can use the first part of our prayer. First of all, is worship. I think that's always the best way to start prayer, is through praise and worship, just
0: lifting up the name of God. So the second one was God's reign, your kingdom come.
1: Yeah. Now, of course, the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is Lord. You know, when we're born again, we're brought out of a kingdom, which the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of God. So we're out from under now the dominion of Satan, and we're under the lordship of Jesus. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're basically praying for the spread of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, in this part of the prayer, we could pray things like um, uh, for those who preach the gospel, that God will just really give them uh, his success and his blessing. Pray for our own uh, friends, relatives, unsaved neighbors uh, that are yet to hear the gospel or respond to the gospel. Bring them before the Lord. Pray for the ministry of our local church as it reaches out into the community. Uh, in fact, pray for evangelism into the community You know, in, in a much larger scale. Mm. And then, of course, evangelism here in Australia. Pray that many will come to Christ here in our own country of Australia, But then, of course, we go beyond that even to the nations of the world. So there's a lot of things we
0: could pray for under that heading. And of course, it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Mm. And that your kingdom come and the next point of God's will very much intertwined because I guess if we're honest, often we come to God in prayer to say our kingdom come, our yeah. will be done. You know? <laughs> yeah. But if we put him first, it really changes the dynamic.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Phil. Like, you know, like, like the guy that prayed, uh, my name's Jimmy and you just give me. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can use prayer as a shopping list. Yeah, OK, I've got yeah. a lot of needs and uh, I just go and give them all to God now and give me his, his instructions for the day. But yeah, that one, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can actually bring before the Lord things that we're facing right now and say, God, I want your will to be
0: done. Show me your will. In that area of my life, and you know, I really love that. It's it's not that God isn't interested in us, but it's only when He's actually at the centre of our lives that our lives have true meaning and purpose. And as you say, the second part of the prayer moves on to focus on us and our needs. So let's explore that a little.
1: Okay. Well, the first thing Jesus told us to pray in that respect is, "Give us this day our daily bread." So James one verse seventeen. Uh, James says something like this every good gift, every perfect gift mm. comes down from God. So there's an acknowledgement that, that God is the one that blesses our lives with good things. The enemy's the spoiler, he's the thief that's come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Let's get that straight because sometimes people get that the wrong way around. You know, they think that God is uh, the one that, you know, really uh, brings damage and harm to our lives and that somehow he has a purpose in that. But no, every good and every perfect gift comes down from God. But also, we have an enemy that would want to plunder us. But we bring our needs to God and say, so Lord, Lord, just meet our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Mm, he's very interested in that. Now, some people might say, "Well, hang on a minute." With respect, I'm the one that goes out and works, and I earn the money, and I, I pay the rent, I yep. pay the bills. So basically, I'm meeting my own needs. But again, let's go back into the Word of God in, in the Book of Deuteronomy, Chapter Eight and Verse 18. God says through Moses, "Never forget that it's God that gives you the strength." To do these things. Yeah, you yes. might go out and work your work your job, but who is it that gives you the strength and the
0: health and the time on earth to do those things? Of what, course it's God. Yeah, what, what do I have that didn't come from him in the first place? Exactly. Mm. It's really good. So what comes next? It was our sins, wasn't it? Yeah, now the thing is
1: about this, uh, some of our listeners might not agree with what I want to say here, but um, when Jesus taught this, he says "You know that we need to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, my personal view there, Phil, is that that was before the cross. At the cross, Jesus dealt with our sins, and when we come to Christ, all our sins are forgiven—past, present, and future. We've already been forgiven. So when you come to the epistles, Paul turns out the other way around. He says, "Forgive one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you." Mm. So that part of the prayer, when I come to that part of the prayer, the outline, what I usually say is, "Lord, you know, like I, I, I try to look back over my life and see the things." that I've done wrong, the mistakes I've made and so on. And I say something like this, Lord, I shouldn't have said, thought I'd done that thing. I'm sorry, but I thank you that even this is forgiven. So I don't confess my sins, but I confess my righteousness because you know God does not impute my sin against me, but he imputes the righteousness of God to me. But I still acknowledge and and ask for the Lord's help in those areas where I have failed. And then I think it's good to just let the Holy Spirit um, bring to mind any relationships where we need to extend forgiveness to those that have offended us. Well,
0: even to turn that around in there would be very powerful to say, Lord, help me forgive those like you have forgiven me, yeah. you know, people who've wronged me. That's because right. often we find it very hard to, yeah. to go through that process. Absolutely right. All right, what about the last part of the prayer, our enemy? Well, we do have an enemy.
1: <laughs> Jesus said, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So as Christians, we know that um, we have an enemy, the devil and the devil will always try to defeat us by tempting us to do wrong things, to draw us away from God. Every temptation is an enticement to come away from God and to give our allegiance to him. Um, I think we need to remind ourselves of God's promise in this respect, and that is, you know, he says that no temptation will ever come our way, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way escape. So first of all, let's let's acknowledge God's faithfulness to us. You know, we're never in a situation where we can say, well, I just couldn't help it. You know, we're powerless. No, God says, my grace is always going to be there for you. But then secondly, James said that we need to resist the devil and -hmm. he will flee flee from us. So there's God's part and there's our part. When we're talking about our enemy, we need to understand that we are empowered to stand against him. We've got the armor of God. And God's never going to bring us into a situation Where we're totally helpless But at the same time we need to stand We need to resist the devil And he will flee from us So we use this part of the prayer if you like To ask God to keep us from succumbing to temptation to Satan
0: Now we might be going through the basics for new Christians this week But I'm sure there are things there for all of us Join us for more tomorrow And in the meantime, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Lake and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.